is we've been doing a series called When the Blank Hits the Fan. And because a lot of stuff isn't in the fan in our culture. And so uh, we've inserted different words into that blank. In the first three weeks, we covered catastrophe, then loss. And then last week, we covered betrayal. This week, we will be covering pain and the whole topic of when pain hits the fan. And uh, I was thinking through and trying to figure out how to start this. And I found a quote in Job that I think really captures the essence of it. This may be autobiographical. It reads like this, man is also rebuked with pain on his bed and with continual strife in his bones so that his life loathes bread and his appetite the choicest food. You ever been in the place where you don't even want to eat? His flesh is so wasted away it cannot be seen and his bones that were not seen stick out. His soul draws near to the pit and his life to those who bring death. There's a place where it just seems agonizingly painful where it's over. We're not going to make it. And uh, the description here taken from Job, as I said, is probably about his painful circumstances, but describes a life that's racked with suffering. One that, one that is uh, in, in deep pain. And I began, I said, with this joyful introduction, we'll begin to address the topic of pain this morning. The topic of pain is both very wide and very deep. And you, we're all at different places with it. So this morning, we're only going to be able to hit highlights, high points of it. And as we bing along and touch base with these, somewhere in the process, it's going to connect with your story. I don't know where, but I'm assuming that God has arranged that, that it will, that there's been a conversation going on. Uh, with you for a long time and with others for a long time. And he wants to speak into that today. So would you join me in prayer before we start? Lord, we humble ourselves and honor you because we know that you're not removed from pain yourself. That you entered into our pain and that you understand pain probably as well as or intimately more so than we ever would. And for that very fact and very reason, we worship you and We give you credit for uh, being able to come alongside and walk with us. As we talk about this topic this morning, Lord, I do pray for the comfort of your spirit, that you would uh, be speaking and encouraging and uh, drawing out things that people need to talk about. And uh, Lord, we seek you for that as we go through this message and give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. So the problem of pain is an ancient one. It's been with us pretty much as long as we've been around. Uh, One of the and it's one of the most difficult ones for the human mind and emotions to deal with. It's just hard to grasp, hard to wrestle with. Pain touches our our, certainly the previous three topics we covered. It it falls into those right because there's pain and catastrophe, there's pain and loss, and there's pain in betrayal. Uh, so, So this was kind of a a good lead up for it. The lyrics of the song Pain by Jimmy Eat World. Isn't that quite a name, by the way? Jimmy Eat World probably didn't have breakfast, so he didn't know. Okay, anyway. Um, but uh, the topic or the lyrics are painful. It's talking about somebody who is having a very difficult time coping with life. Somebody who looks at the fabric of life and, and has found, I can't deal with this, and so has resorted to drugs. Uh, to deal with reality, to deal with the pain. He says, anyone can have what I built and better now. Anyone can take the same white pills that takes my pain away. A lie, 
a kiss with opened eyes. Um, it's quite a description. Why in the world would we play a song like that in church? You thought that probably ran through your brain, right? When you're going, going good music in church? Oh, okay. Um, people in church have Jesus, right? Certainly they don't stoop to methods that low to medicate their pain. Actually, medicating our pain is a, a multi-billion dollar business. Did you know that? Uh, we do all kinds of things. And by the way, when we talk about this, um, a couple things. One, it's very close to home. Snohomish, just over across the valley there, and its vicinity is known as the heroin headquarters and corridor for the state of Washington. Did you know that? Where do you think a lot of that heroin winds up in all the nice, beautiful, pretty homes in Mill Creek? So it's right among us. It's right next door. It's not something that's far away. Secondly, um, I just want to say and qualify, not all pain relief and pain medication is bad, right? It's very good. I'm very grateful that I did not grow up in the 1900s or the 1800s or the 1700s. I am very grateful because I am a multiple sufferer of kidney stones. And I love Dilaudid, all right? It's marvelous. And you say, well, how many kidney stones have you thrown? Enough that I can pronounce and spell the word correctly, right? Dilaudid. So when I walk in the hospital, I, they look at me and say, just give me Dilaudid. They go, thank you very much. And we're all good to go. But having said that, the question is, what do I do with the pain that I encounter in life? Is, is just numbing my pain the, the only option? The experience of pain and suffering in all its kaleidoscope forms, and again, I said there's a lot of layers to it, has been one of the main attacks and accusations against the goodness and love of God. Uh, the dilemma of pain goes something like this. You've probably heard some formulation of this. Either God is all good, but he's not all powerful. Therefore, he can't do anything about the suffering in the world, even if he wants to. Or the other side of the equation is God is all powerful, but he's not all good. And therefore, he won't do anything about all the suffering that he sees in the world. And if you're left with those two options, it's a terrible dilemma trying to figure out where would you land it. There's a third option presented by Scripture that says this. The Bible gives a very different perspective. It says there's an all-knowing, loving God who is interacting with a fallen, broken, sinful world and his love for this planet is so powerful that he himself suffered for it through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about the Lord Jesus, his encounters with this planet were enormously painful. Look at Hebrews 5 and what it describes. It says in the days of his flesh, in other words, when, when Jesus walked on our turf, when he was like us. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. We really um, take the emotion out of that. And we think of Jesus as in the Garden of Gethsemane going, Oh, most holy Father, I'm about to go to thy cross. And as I go to thy cross, may your peace be with me. Right? That we, Somehow, Jesus isn't allowed to interact the way we would. But here it says, with loud cries and tears, which makes it even more interesting. How could he be weeping and crying out at that level and the disciples are asleep, right? Changes the story a little bit when you know that story. But it says, he gave loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. 
And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. Being designated by God as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Don't have time to look at Melchizedek this morning. But when you think about Jesus, we often think we're under stress. But it says here, Jesus' stress was so great. Uh, In the gospel accounts, it's recorded that his sweat became like drops of blood. That's when the pressure is so great that the, the blood and the water mix, and so it comes out like blood instead of sweat. That's incredible stress. That's incredible pain. The fact that Jesus suffered and knew what it was like to be in pain is self-evident from the Gospels and is underscored in the epistles of the New Testament. Therefore, they state that he is a God worthy of our worship because he knows what it's like the way the suffer we do. Jesus knew what it was like to be in pain. Now listen to Isaiah 53. Again, and think of it through the window or the, the perception filter of pain. It says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And so Jesus knew pain, and so do we. There's three kinds of pain I want to look at this morning. Obviously, there's more than this, but it's what we could fit in this morning. When you're thinking about pain, the three types of pain. First is physical pain. This is something that has to do directly with your body. Something broke. Somebody broke it or it ain't working right. And it is an incredible experience when your own body betrays you and you can no longer do what you used to do. Uh, many of us have run into situations and conditions that have left us very, very limited um, in terms of physically what we were able to do in the past. And then there's emotional pain. Emotional pain usually has to do with what I see going on in others. And this pain is every bit, if not more real, than physical pain. It is called pain of the heart. It is uh, grieving over what I see happening to others that I care about. It's the kind of pain, uh, like for example, last week we talked about betrayal. When I'm betrayed, the kind of pain that sits in my heart over the circumstances of how how could they have done that to me? Right? And just being at your end, trying to deal with that. Then there's a third kind of pain, spiritual pain. The Bible talks about this a lot. Spiritual pain is the pain I experience when I'm separated from God. The angst in my soul that I'm not right with Him. Uh, The sudden uh, awareness that there's a gap between me and Him, and it's a big gap and I can't close it. And uh, it's called the dark night of the soul. And that kind of spiritual pain of... um, even watching others who are separated from God is a pain that uh, Scripture talks quite a bit about. Let's start with physical pain and, and walk through this. We thought this morning what would be better instead of me just telling you what pain was like is to actually use some testimonies. And so what we did this week is I grabbed three friends that I know have been through uh, levels of this pain and I'm going to have them share on the screen this morning. So this for the first one... Uh, 
Keith Weedmeyer, who was here in the first service, is going to be sharing his story of some intense physical pain that he just went through this summer. Watch his story, would you? My name is Keith Weedmeyer. My wife, Kim, and I attend Northview. I've been a diabetic since I was 12 years old. But recently, I have been made um, internally aware that there are consequences to poor care as you go through life. Around the 1st of May, I had a heart attack. My heart started beating 270 beats a minute. As it rose in its beats, I passed out and I woke up with my left leg tucked underneath me in not so good of a position. First, I thought it was just a bad sprain. Um, Next day, I went to work, walked on it, which wasn't a smart idea. A lot of pain, went to the emergency room and found out that I had broken my leg, my ankle. It was a fracture and it needed to be put in a splint at the emergency room and then in a few days they put it in a cast. Being a diabetic, that was not a good experience. Um, Within a week I developed pressure sores on my foot that quickly turned into ulcerations. The pain was excruciating as the infection ate the inside of my foot. Um, There were many a day when I just lied on the bed in tears, praying that God would take my pain away. Those pressure sores that developed turned into an infection. The infection spread to my entire foot. And um, a few months after breaking the ankle, I had to have my foot amputated right below the knee. I've been asked when it hurt the most, when the pain was at its most intense. And that was after a trip to the doctor. My son Ryan had taken me to the doctors and when we got home, it hurt so bad and I had taken a very high grade pain pill to try to relieve it that I felt no relief whatsoever. And it just kept getting worse and my foot continued to swell Um, After some of the swelling had gone down, every time I would go out, it would swell back up again and increase the amount of pain that I was feeling. So on this one particular afternoon, he'd gotten me back into bed, and I was very much hurting more than I've ever hurt in my life. And he was, it's actually... One of the first times he's ever seen me cry, it was was that intense. All I could do was bury my face in a pillow and just cry and um, ask God, please take the pain away. And I thought to myself, if you can't take the pain away, then at least take me up to heaven so I can be without pain. Um, That's the kind of intensity of pain that I was going through that it was so bad that I would do anything to get out of that pain. Several times I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't know how I can go on and I turn to God and say, God, this is in your hands. Whatever you have to do with this, whatever your plan is for me, whatever your plan is for those around me, this is part of it. 
and I need to surrender to that. By the way, the video we shot this week, Brooks did all that, and he did all the editing too, so he did a great job. And if you get a chance to thank him, thank him this week, all right? That's a good deal. But Keith was talking about the pain was so intense. Two reasons the pain was so intense is, number one, when he broke his ankle, he fractured it, and because of the diabetes, the blood flow was bad when they put the cast on. So eight weeks later, the, the, it had never healed. It had never even begun to heal. So he's, he had a fractured ankle uh, that wouldn't heal. And the second thing is that that infection he's talking about ate a hole through his foot. The doctor literally took a rod and passed it through his foot. All right, we're talking about that kind of pain. And he now calls it Mr. Stumpy. And uh, he said, hey, can I show it on the screen? I said, no. Right? I said, people are queasy enough without... <laughs> John's going, what? Oh, man. <laughs> but no. And uh, and you can also hear in Keith's voice uh, an amazing thing as he's gone through this. This has done something that has catapulted him towards Christ. And he's really saying, boy, whatever I can do for the kingdom or stuff, I've, I've learned something coming out the other side that I never knew before going into it. So um, some, some good things have come out of that. Now, Keith's pain can be measured in terms of uh, weeks or a, a couple months. It's a short-term, intense physical pain. Others have suffered from much longer-term, what I would uh, call chronic pain. Chronic pain is a miserable monster. Chronic pain, if you've watched anybody, it buckles you. It warps you. It, it, it bends your mind. It, it, it changes your thinking because it never lets up. It never goes away. It's always knocking at the door. And for some, this is measured not in terms of months, but in terms of years. And it's absolutely debilitating. It grinds on one's body it, and it assaults a person's mind. It feels like you're in a pit that you've fallen into and you wonder uh, if there's a way out or if you'll ever get out of this pit. And uh, to try and capture this, I asked my friend Marie Vitali if she'd share her story. Marie is a sufferer of fibromyalgia. A number of us in here may have uh, experienced that battle. And uh, hers was incredibly difficult because of the life stage she was at. So listen to Marie's story with chronic pain. My name is Marie Vitale. My husband is Mike and my son is Gabe. We've been attending Northview 15 years, I don't know, since the beginning. So probably 15 years ago, I started having um, back pain. Um, off and on and um, so tried all the usual kind of physical therapy chiropractic just different things Um, but it got worse and worse over time um, to where I was sleeping like four hours a night Um, we thought we had it addressed before I had my son Gabe and um, I had a great pregnancy And then two months after I had him, I went for a walk with him and came back feeling like I'd been hit by a truck. I only got diagnosed with fibromyalgia about two and a half years ago. I've been battling it probably close to 10, 12, 13 years, but not knowing that what it was till about three years ago. So here I am with an infant, my my sweet boy, and I am living with really 24-7 pain that is just off the charts. At the height of it with having Gabriel, 
and not being able to take care of him, it just, it was, you're just like you're in a, your own body as a torture chamber. So I did have more than one conversation, plea to God to please either take it away or take me away. Um, because the prospect of living that like that forever was just unimaginable. When you have chronic pain like this, you can't always talk about it to people. I mean, it's a scary thing, one, to talk about and admit to other people. Um, and it's hard for them to understand, too. So a lot of the conversations were just me and God and just having to trust him, you know, that he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't allow it without, you know, having a plan. That emotion when we were taping was very raw. She said when I had Gaben, she said I had to call my mom. I had to call my mom up and my mom had to come over because she said I couldn't move. I couldn't take care of my son. So she said my mom fed him. My mom played with him. I was laying on the couch weeping because all I could do is watch. From a mom's heart, you can probably understand that's that story. Marie's story quickly shifts from um, chronic pain to emotional pain. You can you can sense the battle of what she was wrestling with uh, in this in this whole story. And and the, again, the emotional pain can be highly highly devastating. Scripture talks about this kind of pain. Um, Paul was talking about in a Philippians. He's talking about this episode where Epaphroditus nearly died, and he writes. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And what he was saying is, hey, after, you know, the physical beatings and the whippings and the being thrown in jail and the the riots and that, that was one thing. But this was my trusted buddy, and he was traveling with me, and the guy almost died. He said, man, that would have just broke me. He said, just added sorrow upon sorrow. He says, I'm all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. You know, there's very few. You don't think of Paul as being an anxiety freak, right? You don't think of him as being a person who kind of wrestles with high anxiety. And yet this kind of watching the people close to him go through things caused him great anxiety. uh, And he really struggled with it. Emotional pain is usually caused by others. They are who we care about or the circumstances that they find themselves in that we can't change. Um, Every parent knows this pain. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, I wish it was me instead of them. You ever heard that phrase before? Emotional pain is the pain that hurts my heart. It's the pain of loss or hope for myself or for others. It's the pain of anxiety, the pain of outcome or or the lack thereof. Kind of the thing where you get stuck is, is this the end for me? Are we done now? Is this as far as the train goes? Now what? And you just can't see past it. I found this uh, quote on emotional pain in a book by uh, Nina Gilbrow. It's a book called Too Many Sisters. 
says, and she's saying this, everyone keeps telling me that time heals all wounds, but no one can tell me what I'm supposed to do right now. Right now, I can't sleep. It's right now that I can't eat. Right now, I still hear his voice and sense his presence, even though I know he's not here. Right now, all I seem to do is cry. I know all about time and wounds healing, but even if I had all the time in the world, I still don't know what to do with all this hurt right now. You ever been there? You've been at the place where the encouragements of others seem to just clank off the wall? Not only that, but the intensity of that kind of pain is real. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about a place where he just flat out hit the wall. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And you heard in both uh, testimonies so far this morning where both of them said, you know what, it was so excruciating. I didn't know stuff like that could exist. And I told the Lord, wow, either take the pain or take me. Take me home. I can't do this. And Paul's expressing the same kind of sentiment here where he says, uh, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we had felt that we had received the sentence of death. Some of you know what that's like. You've received the sentence of death. The doctor said to you, it's cancer. Some of you said, doctor said to you, it's a heart attack. You've damaged your heart severely. You're not going to recover. You hit the wall. And the question is, then, now, what do you do? Many of us have literally had our hearts stretched to the limit. We find ourselves, as Scripture says, at our wit's end, not really sure where to turn to, mystified as to what even the next step might possibly be. And the question can often surface, God, how could you do this to me? Now, most of the time we soften that because we realize that's a lightning bolt kind of question and we don't want to openly challenge God in that kind of emotional tone. So we'd say, we soften it by saying, God, how could you have let this happen to me? Right? Kind of his more permissive will, therefore I'm not being so rebellious asking the question. But the question still surfaces, God, how could this happen? And yet I think we have to bring up something that I think has gotten lost in in our present day culture. And that's this. Christians are not exempt from the pain in this world. If our view is because we, I know Jesus, I will therefore escape the pain that others go through, I am vastly mistaken. I'm not saved from the pain in this world. I'm saved from my sin. And there's a big difference. Consider these statements. Just look at this, what Scripture has to say. Romans 5 says this, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance is stick-to-itiveness. Perseverance is I don't quit halfway through. Perseverance is hang in there. I stay with it. It says tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What this is saying is that if you, it's not going through pain, it's how you handle going through it. That it can shape you not 
to break you, it can make you great. And if you think of all the great testimonies you've heard during your lifetime, if you think of the great Christian saints, if you think of the great stories that come out of World War II, it's been incredible stories of people who have been through unbelievable, undeniably painful circumstances, and it has shaped their character in a way that when they walk a room they talk, they light the room up because they talk with authority. Something has been forged in their character that couldn't have otherwise been forged without going through that experience. Look at uh, James. Consider it all joy. Another translation says, count it. Why do you count it? Because it's more than one. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's something about going through a trial or a test And in this case, it's saying that this actually uh, tests your faith. It tests the foundation of your faith and what you've built and, and what you've built on that foundation. It tests it like fire. And in that, then, it develops character again. Notice that character is part of the product. And it builds endurance. And so that you would be perfect, complete, not lacking anything. This is the old uh, pray for patience thing. Right? None of us like that prayer or pray that prayer very well. Dear Lord, please grant me the gift of patience. Right? That's a hard one. Shannon had, was actually talking about this one in his office, and I stole it from him this week. I want to give him credit for bringing it up. But Psalm 119 has a number of places. This is just one where it says this kind of thing. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to to your word, to your servant. And here it actually says that God in faithfulness afflicts us. And then he brings his comfort alongside us to comfort us. You don't hear that preached in church very much anymore, do you? No, it's prosperity gospel, right? If you do, uh, you give God enough money, you'll be healthy, wealthy. Uh, you'll be free from the pains that you see around. And, and the part of the dilemma we have as Christians is Psalm 73. We're doing it right. We seem to be going through enormous pain and afflictions and persecutions and trials. And the people who don't give God the blink of an eye seem to be prospering. And we're like, wow, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because we've got an, uh, an equation that says... If I walk with God, I won't go through pain. Nowhere in Scripture can you find that statement. The idea that if God loves me, I will never experience pain is not found in Scripture. Right? We've made that up. That's like Jesus helps those who help themselves. That's not in there either. Right? There's all kinds of things we kind of anchor on as pithy sayings of wisdom that aren't found in Scripture. Peter said we shouldn't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among us. So therefore, pain is part of the equation, whether you believe in God or not, whether you have Lord Jesus as Savior or not. And think about this. It actually is true if you just think about relationships you know think about yourself was there a time you didn't walk with god or is there a time you've watched other people didn't walk with god did they experience pain sure right think of a time when you walked with god or a season when you've watched others walk with god when they've walked with god have they experienced pain 
Well, absolutely. We had two testimonies up here on the screen and we could multiply if we just had our hands and said, hey, how have you experienced pain and started talking to each other? uh, The room would be totally buzzing, right? So we walk with, if we walk with God, we have pain. If we don't walk with God, we have pain. So the issue, therefore, then isn't pain. The issue is how does it become redemptive? Do I allow those circumstances in life to be redemptive and to shape my character and to produce endurance and faith? Or do I wallow in anger and bitterness and vengeance and let those qualities take over uh, because I let that pain twist me that way? So then the question also becomes, will I trust God with my pain? You've heard that question pop up in, in the two testimonies today. Uh, it's going to pop up in the third one that we're about to look at. If I'm separated from God relationally, that is another kind of pain. That's called spiritual pain. It's the pain of not being right with God, either myself or others. Like the illustration on the screen, who, who I you know, deeply care about. In the old days, it was called pain of conscience. We don't even use that word anymore because we don't talk about anybody having a conscious conscience talking to them. But it was talking about where I am in conflict in my conscience because I know I'm not right with God. The spiritual state of my soul. And make no doubt about it, this pain is, can be every bit as real and intense as the other two we have discussed. Journals and books have been written down through the history of the battle to find peace with God and thus find Peace with my, my soul. And so we're going to watch a third one. This is Carissa Moore. Carissa Moore is involved here, families here. Uh, she serves on youth staff. And she's going to talk, her story's going to start out with emotional pain, but then watch how spiritual pain begins to emerge out of her testimony. Okay. Hi, my name is Carissa Moore. I go to Northview Community here, and my parents are Jeff and Stephanie Larson. I am on the youth staff uh, with the high schoolers. Um, I had a boyfriend who had a daughter from a previous relationship, and um, she was coming out of a bad situation with her mom, and we had to fight to rescue her to get custody of her and save her from just the ugly that she had been pulled into. This was a project that I poured myself into. I felt like if I hit every point on the checklist that I had created, that it would create the perfect life for all of us. We did start coming to church. Um, I was dedicating all of myself to the relationship with her dad and with her. And in the midst of that there was in the midst of that I was betrayed by him and I remember thinking at that exact moment that I'm the only one that cares about this girl and I'm I'm the only one fighting for her And I'm the only one that loves her. But God was telling me that he loved her even more. I felt desperate. 
like I needed to cling to the pieces to put it back together. I was angry that I was the only one that was working, working to save this girl and working to save a relationship that I wanted because I was in love with this little girl. And it hurt a lot <laughs> with the betrayal, with the desperation, with the loss of control, which is all that I had ever known was to control my own life and what I was doing. There was a lot of pain, hopelessness. There's some really dark times for me in that. And as long as as long as I didn't pursue God and I pursued picking up the pieces of what I had built, it wasn't getting better. There, were, there was a period of time where I just existed in that pain. I couldn't go to work without crying. I couldn't open my mouth without crying. It was, it was just a horrible, a horrible feeling of loss that I carried around for a, a while. Like my world shattered, it it fell apart. I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have anything at that time. I wasn't in a relationship with God. I had lost the home and family that I was building and I was by myself. In Chris's story, she'll tell you that um, she grew up going to church. She knew the right answers in her head. She had a lot of right motives in the stuff that she was doing. But she had things backwards. She had uh, taking care of all these needs and stuff. And if God would take care of that, then she would give him her attention. And she'll tell you later, she realized she had the cart before the horse that she needed to reorchestrate the pieces to put God first and get right with God to end that pain. And then she could figure out how the other pieces went. And that's one of the reasons you saw the tears just erupt uh, spontaneously on the screen is even as she's looking back now, she realizes, wow, I, I couldn't see that for what it was at the time. And she can she can see it now. Um, and like she says, you don't experience in peace until that battle is resolved. Jesus, I want to suggest, experienced all three of these types of pain during his journey here on earth. It says he suffered for us. He knows what pain feels like on all three levels. Physical, he certainly endured that. Emotional, he endured betrayal just like we do. And then spiritual as well. The Bible says that in times of desperate need, God provides a greater grace. The book of Philippians calls it the peace that passes understanding. And if you were to talk to any of the three on the screen this morning, they would tell you that they've experienced that grace. They've experienced a peace that passes understanding in the midst of this kind of very intense, um, painful trial. And this is where the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so profound and so desperately needed. You know, we're often ministered to by the Holy Spirit and we don't even recognize it or give credit um, when he does become uh, a comforter and, and come alongside the place we're in uh, in life. 
He is our source of peace. And there's times in life where the only place we can really look to is God. Because the other options aren't on the table. They've, they've fallen off. They've failed us. And the, the question is, will, will we? Will we cry out to him or will we fight and resist him? Carissa's story illustrates the intensity of this battle. Uh, while we were doing the questioning, I kept trying to pull her back to many things. She kept squirting off because she didn't want to. And finally, one part of the tape and we got her pinned and that's when the tears came out. Uh, because I kept asking the question, what was the most painful part of the whole thing? And the most painful part is she realized she was fighting God because she'd been pushing God off. She didn't want to deal with that. And it all came crashing in on her. And she would tell you that she was pushing away the very one who wanted to help her the most. And she subtly knew that in her mind, but she tried to pretend she didn't know that in her mind. You ever just push God away? Well, one of the things that Scripture says is that because he came and because he walked this planet, because he went through pain, he didn't just die on the cross for our sins, but he also is very capable, very able of walking along with others who are in pain. Why? Because he's traveled that road himself. And Scripture says if you want that one to come alongside what you've got to do is understand there's an authority issue there over who's in control. Remember Chris's comments? I tried to control my life. It was the only thing I knew how to do. And you've got to realize you have to give over that control, that trust step uh, to the Lord. And it's very simple. Lord, I'm in an enormous amount of pain, and I don't know what to do with it. And I've never asked you to comfort me. I've never asked you to come along. I've always just pulled myself up by the bootstraps and done it by myself. But I have somehow gotten to a place where pulling up the bootstraps doesn't work. And I realize if I need your assistance, if I want you to walk alongside of me, I've got to stop fighting you and ask you in as Lord. You can do that very simply. Lord, I know that I've sinned against you. I know I've been distanced from you. Would you come in and save me? I want to repent. I want to tell you and admit to you that I've been wrong. And I ask you, to forgive me of my sins and to adopt me as one of your children because I need a dad like you. You can do that. He'll hear that prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we've walked through pain, I doubt that we have come anywhere close to touching um, the depth of experience in this room or the other services for that matter. But that's not so critical, Lord, as it is that um, people are dialoguing with you and thinking about that and wrestling with that on that level. And so this morning, again, you uh, are the author of life and you experience pain. So you know what healthy looks like. You know what hurt looks like. And you have great compassion. It says you will not snuff out a, a smoldering wick and you won't take a bruised reed and snap it off. Therefore, you know gentleness. Lord, I think your gentleness is your most... Uh, underappreciated attribute. Be gentle this morning as you talk about pain with your sons and daughters. And we seek you for this morning, uh, that journey that they might experience that peace that passes understanding and a comfort from a God who comforts us in all our trials. And we ask for this in your name. Amen.